Welcome to another episode of Terrell Paranormal Talk, where we discuss all things supernatural, weird, and unexplained. Join us for discussions on UFOs, ghost stories, paranormal investigations, strange monster sightings, psychic skills, and places of high strangeness. I'll leave you to one of our esteemed investigators hosting today, and perhaps you will leave a little wiser and a little closer to having your curiosity satisfied. We hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to Terrell Paranormal Talk. Brenda here with you today, and I want to welcome all of our listeners. Thanks again for your dedication and hearing our stories. I am here with a very special guest to me because this is my son, Dayton Gardner. Dayton, would you like to say hi? Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. After we had started to work with the paranormal and shortly after we began to work with sensitives and mediums and those types of people with those abilities and talent to help us on investigations, we had worked with them for several years before Dayton came forward and told us that he had some abilities of his own and that he was quite sensitive. And we began to work with him and became quite impressed with what he was able to do. That's kind of the setup. But I, I will tell you that as a mother, it it's hard because I understand working so closely with mediums, how difficult it is. And how difficult it must have been for him growing up. And so that's one reason why I thought it would be a great idea to do this podcast. So Dayton, how does that work for you? I know everybody's different. For me personally, uh, it just feels, I would imagine it feels the same way that intuition feels for anyone else. Um, The way I've always described how it feels to have these kind of abilities is uh, I feel like everyone can, but it's more so how, like, how are you able to tune into it and pay attention? Uh, not to get off track here, but one common thing I noticed with a lot of the mediums that we were working with previously is ADHD or ADD is a pretty common factor in their lives. And I feel like it, it is a small possibility that that could kind of keep you aware, if that makes sense. I, I just never thought about ADD being uh, something that would help you tune in, but I can see how it makes somebody more distracted. You always hear people joke around about ADD, like, oh, you can't focus, can't pay attention. You're focusing on one thing and then it's, ooh, squirrel, there's something over here, something interesting is happening. And I feel like for a neurotypical person, it's a lot harder to steer your concentration over to something else that might be happening around you. And so I believe that these types of spirits, if you want to call them, or these connections you could be having with someone on the other side can oftentimes be clouded out by a neurotypical person's like sense of direction as far as their, uh, the, the way their brain works, if that makes any sense. Um, so that getting off track thing can be an advantage for people with ADD or ADHD, not only in other aspects of life, but in the sense that you can kind of see what's going on when a lot of other people can't. I don't think that uh, applies strictly to mediumship or being sensitive. It's just kind of one of those things that it's pretty common. Well, that is an insight that I've not heard before. Thank you for sharing that with us. So I know 
right after we started the paranormal investigation, you had mentioned to me that you believe you were having out-of-body experiences. And that was the first, I guess, signal to me that maybe you had an ability to be more sensitive than others. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that felt, what that experience was like? Of course, of course. And I do feel like some of it could have stemmed from the fact that we were opening ourselves up a little bit more to paranormal activity, of course, because I feel like for even most people, you start to become more aware of things after you start looking for them. It just makes sense. This kind of awareness kind of hit me hard, to say the least, uh, because I started noticing a lot of things just in my everyday life. Um, It was never necessarily voices or anything, never anything super audible, but it was almost like intuitive messages. You know, my brain would be on one track and then suddenly, I don't want to say taken over, that sounds a little possessive, but it's almost like someone, you know, pulled the lever on the tracks, made me go a different direction to kind of see that someone was trying to communicate with me. And that's one of the first things that I noticed before uh, I started having out-of-body experiences. Although I would say when I was younger, even prior to that point, I was having out-of-body experiences as well, but they were never very intense. And I never really thought too much of them. You know, you just think of them as a normal dream, especially when you're growing up, you, you don't have the ability to feel what other people are feeling or, you know, have those same type of cerebral experiences that everyone else has. It's all internal, it's all personalized. And so it's very hard to differentiate what's normal and what's not. And even to this day, you'll never know for sure. You just kind of have to go with it. Um, But as far as the out-of-body experiences go, it did ramp up a lot in intensity once we started getting involved with uh, researching paranormal activity, especially really brought up a lot of interesting things to say the least. But it was shortly after doing a little bit of experimenting there and, you know, a lot of research there that I would go home and start to notice things that I didn't notice before. Uh, Like I said before, probably just because of the awareness that you create for yourself by being more open to that kind of stuff. As far as the out-of-body experiences go, I remember my most vivid one that really stuck out to me and made me realize that stuff was starting to change was I remember sleeping in the bedroom. I woke up and for whatever reason, I decided I had to go sleep in the living room. I don't remember how old I was. I was probably 15 or so. I'd say that's safe to say. Yes, you're about 15 because I remember uh, we had done an investigation at a school and we had picked something up. Remember something had scratched you? Yes, I do recall that. It, it may have been around that time more so as well. Um, but anyways, the most vivid one that I experienced at the time and probably to this day was, you know, going to lay down on the couch for whatever reason, I felt this intuitive feeling I needed to go in there and sure enough, fall asleep. And it felt almost like I woke up again and I was like, okay, I, I don't remember waking up. This is kind of odd, but you know, I'm going to get up and go get some water or something. I'm here in the living room or, you know, explore my options, go back to bed, watch some TV, do whatever, um, that feeling when you wake up, I felt like I was completely awake, uh, until I look down and I see my body sleeping on the couch which was shocking at first, to say the least, I immediately realized, okay, I must be in a dream. This is fine. It's normal. And I remember almost phasing through the wall. Uh, It's worth mentioning that it was still all nighttime. Everyone was sleeping in the household. Uh, There's no activity going on uh, in that regard. And I remember 
like phasing through the wall and going outside uh, under the front yard. And I began jumping <laughs> as weird as it sounds. I began jumping and it was almost like I would jump very slowly and levitate upwards of like 10, 15, 20 feet in the air, almost like I could fly in a way. And I was getting a very big aerial view of our whole neighborhood. And it was daytime outside, even though, you know, everyone inside was still sleeping. It's just how dreams work, you know, don't really make sense all the time. I remember going outside and just exploring my neighborhood and realizing that everything was different. And the best way I could describe it was it was still my neighborhood. Everything was exactly the same, except this was like 50 years prior. Obviously, don't hold that to me. I don't know when our buildings were built or our houses were built or anything, but everything seemed older. There were less buildings around. There was a little bit more forestry, I would say. It wasn't like we were in the woods or anything, but I was starting to notice that some of my uh, like locations that I typically went to, like the school that was there, I went to that school growing up, it was gone. Gas stations and stuff were gone or they were under a different brand. They had completely different decoration on the outside. Uh, it was very, very odd, but I felt... I guess this goes all back to intuition, but I felt so very strongly that this was my neighborhood just a few years prior. Obviously, I didn't get to experience that when I was younger, and uh, maybe there's photos or something that would be interesting to see. But that was the most appalling thing to me is that I was in my world, but not in my world at the same time. That's incredible, because I remember this place back when it was just these homes, just the street. And, you know, a block over, they had homes there. Uh, the school was not built. They had the high school built. But even before that, we had one little gas station. We had, you know, it was all stop signs. And, you know, there were fields here or there were fields behind us. I remember getting snakes and rats and things like that because, um, or mom, you know, having to deal with that stuff. That's very interesting. But we can go back and look at aerial views and see. If you, that would be interesting, um, yeah. Yeah, if you can identify maybe a time frame of when it was, but that, that can be done. That's yeah, easy. fields were definitely a good way to put it uh, over forestry. That's the better term. It was like open, dirty, grassy fields, uh, which we, I knew of an area like that off this cul-de-sac that was really close to us, like a street down, but it was almost like everything had become a lot more open. There were a lot less houses. The houses almost looked newer. It might be worth mentioning there were no cars. That was a weird thing to me. There were no cars in anyone's yeah. driveway or anyone's garage. And, you know, it could have been. Technically, you could have said I traveled to the past or you could have said that, um, you know, my brain was just kind of facilitating the idea that I was in the past and it took away all the cars because I didn't know what cars looked like back then. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could be anything like that, but it was definitely a very surreal and interesting experience. And yes, very lucid. I felt like I had a lot of control. Very, very interesting. And then when I ended it off, I simply just went back inside and sat next to myself. And then after a while, everything just kind of went black and I woke back up and was like, wow, that was a very surreal experience. Unlike wow. any other dream I've had before, you know, I've had vivid dreams, dreams that scared me or dreams that made me happy. But this one was, I was filled with wonder is the best way to describe it. It really felt surreal and very, very real. So I know that you've told me before that one of your strongest abilities is that of an empath. And you grew up with a mother who was very, very ill. 
you know, I've always regretted that, although I didn't have much control over it. Talk to us about what being an empath is like. And did you have difficulties, you know, with the the energies in the house? Yes, I would say so. I, I think the some of the biggest traits of being empathic is feeling other people's emotions. And growing up, I always thought I just had some sort of anxiety or I was weak or I was scared of everything. But the most notable thing when it comes to other people's emotions, uh, just other than sadness, sadness definitely rubs off, anxiety rubs off. I start to feel those feelings as if they were my own. Um, not as intense as if they were my own, but it can kind of persuade your feelings to go one direction or the other, if that makes any sense. But the biggest one was anger. When people got angry, even if they weren't angry at me directly, they were just getting angry at someone else, say it's at school, uh, like people are getting in a disagreement or something, or someone's just re getting really passionate about an argument or something like that. I would feel it in this undescribable way and I would begin shaking. And I, it still happens to this day. Like if people get mad, even if I'm completely not involved, if there's any anger in the situation, I feel like almost like my full body just almost shuts down or it gets really, really shaky, which does line up with like social anxiety and stuff like that. But personally, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I have a ton of social anxiety, if any, uh, I feel pretty comfortable in most social situations, as long as there are not intense emotions along with it. Um, even intense happiness is something that's very strange. And it doesn't necessarily make me more happy if someone else is really happy. But it's this sort of undescribable energy. It's almost like the vibrations just get turned up, cranked up to the max. And it's uh, it can be hard to deal with sometimes. I can imagine, but I must say, and maybe I'm a little prejudiced because I am your mother, but you certainly handled it well. I mean, I, I look back at all you. your couple of years there where you were the tour guide for our tours and people just loved you. They just bragged on you. Um, and it was always such a change from the beginning of the tour to the end of the tour because, you know, they would kind of look you up and down and go, this is a kid. He's going to do this. And you just knocked their socks off. They all came back just loving it um, and having a really, really good time. So you handled that very, very well. I remember you had traveled to New York and I was concerned about you around the 9-11 memorial because of, you know, I just wasn't sure how it all worked. Can you describe that for us? I can. I'll tell you that I didn't spend too much time in that area. However, just being in a big city like New York or even Chicago, for example, I visited a couple of times. The energy, which I, I feel like this applies to most people, but the energy there is just very, very different. You know, everyone's busy, busy, go, you know, I've got places to be. Um, but whether I'm interacting with anybody or not, or simply sitting in a hotel room, sitting on a boat where everyone's relaxed and enjoying the view, it fe you feel this busyness around you everywhere. And it's almost like a this nonstop white noise chatter uh, just going on constantly. And it can jump from, you know, intensely bad situations to intensely good situations. Uh, I really don't know. It's hard to describe. I apologize for my failure to <laughs> lay this out here. but You're doing a great job. But yeah, it's very, very intense is the best way to put it. And I definitely enjoy being in areas like that. But 
think I was there for probably three or four, three to five days. And I don't think I could have stayed any longer as much as I loved it. The city was fantastic. Um, but there's just a lot going on there. It was kind of like I had to be on edge the entire time, even, you know, when I knew I wasn't in danger or I was just relaxing in the hotel, what have you. It was always busy, something, busy, busy. always something, you know, it was hard to sleep. Waking up in the morning was easy, weirdly enough, without having any sleep. I don't know if you've had that experience before, but it's just up and busy all the time. It's the best way I can describe it. So the city really had a, a high intensity on you then. Absolutely. Yeah. So the 9-11 memorial wasn't a deal? I mean, I imagine I felt probably more of an intensity, but I think there are so many historical areas in New York that although this was a terrible, terrible, tragic accident or accident incident, I mean to say, there's just so much else going on. So many marks that have been left through history, although this may be one of the more recent ones or the more intense ones that we remember it doesn't necessarily come across that way from empathy or an intuitive standpoint, if that makes sense. Certainly. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about, if you're comfortable talking about it, I know you mentioned to me one time at a friend's house that you felt like was outside and it was not necessarily um, of this world, maybe some extraterrestrial energy. Uh, do you remember that? that situation and if so can you talk to us a little bit more about it oh i do i'll never forget i will never forget um it was in a place near the dallas area it's this i guess you could call it like a country style area really small town uh not a lot of suburban activity not a lot of businesses or buildings you know they had a restaurant there a couple of gas stations you know no stoplights that kind of place very big open area where you can still see the stars in the sky. There's not too much uh, light clouding the sky. And I had a friend over there. I was going over to visit a friend. It was later in the evening. I think I had just gotten off work. It was probably anywhere from seven to eight o'clock. So there was a little bit of activity in the area. You know, I saw some cars driving on the highway, a few cars going into their neighborhoods and everything. Super typical, nothing super weird going on. And I started to pull into my friend's neighborhood have to go about three blocks down to get to his house. And I realized I'm following this SUV, you know, no big deal. They were going kind of slow. I was getting a little annoyed. So I gave him some space. I didn't want to, you know, ride right behind them and make them uncomfortable. Figured it was just someone going home. And they got a little bit of a distance on me and they turned this corner past this tree. It was a relatively small tree, but this tree was big enough to very temporarily block line of sight of this car and uh it's worth mentioning i didn't have the radio on anything uh i was really really close to my destination so i was just trying to get there hang out with my friend and i heard the engine of this car as i was driving behind them like i said it was a big suv it was pretty loud and as soon as uh they passed this tree i lost the line of sight i was only a few feet behind them like a couple cars distance maybe and the car is gone Started to get a little confused at first. I was like, okay, you know, maybe it took a weird turn, whatever. Uh, we're just going down this straight road with one curve. It's a little weird. I started turning, looking to my left and right, and I noticed that the driveways are all very long. All the garage doors are completely closed, not moving. And so I stopped. I pulled over, and I got out. And I started trying to listen for this engine that I was hearing while I was even in my vehicle, and I did not hear it at all. This car had completely disappeared. 
which was very, very odd to me because there was nowhere it could have gone. Absolutely nowhere. The driveways were way too long. Even if they pulled into their garage really quickly, I would have seen it close. I'm talking, I, I lost line of sight of this car for like three, four seconds maybe, and it had just completely disappeared. And the type of energy I felt in that situation, which some of it could have just been me being a little scared or nervous, was very, very intense and otherworldly. And that's the only way I can describe it. Um, just because, I mean, a car, big SUV just disappeared right in front of my eyes. Very, very odd. That That is very surreal. That is very, very surreal. Have you ever, have you had any other incidences um, other than that one related to extraterrestrial um, life, possibly? I'm not recalling any currently other than the New Year's Eve incident. Or was it New Year's Eve? Yeah, it was. I, I don't know if you mentioned that on the podcast before i i have not i oh the, the podcast where we had the ufo sighting yes yes um, that was the last one that i remember do you do you recall any of that i know we had talked about it at one point and you said that you didn't have a very vivid memory of it i didn't i remember honestly the only thing i remember is all of us just looking up into the sky seeing this light moving and I immediately dismissed it as, oh, it's New Year's Eve, they're fireworks. And yeah. then upon watching the movement a little bit more, we realized that it's certainly not fireworks. There's nothing like that that wouldn't have burnt out uh, for the amount of time that we were watching it or exploded or what have you. Mm -hmm. It was simply, I, I can't even tell you the color. I don't remember. It's very hard to remember. Um, but it was simply this ball of light that kind of moved back and forth. As far as the shape goes, I feel like I remember seeing some texturing on it even. Mm -hmm. otherwise i i really can't recall too much if i'm being honest well you know that was pretty much the story is that it was just this big red and orange ball of light very very in-depth light and it was large it's very very large as it got closer and closer to us it got bigger and bigger um not that it was right upon us it was still you know i don't know what visibility was that night but it was a clear cold night certainly not the type of night that would create ball lightning or anything similar i've seen similar filmed ufo sightings that were exactly what we saw that night when you talked to me about all of this one of the first things i did was call your biological father and i hadn't talked to him in you know 10 years at least <laughs> the first thing i said was or you see dead people and and he just very matter-of-factly said, yeah, I do. My mom does. My aunt so-and-so does. And it just runs in our family. Of course, you know, I was married to the man for, you know, about a year. And um, it, things just didn't work out. You know, you'd think you'd know that about somebody. But because it's just such an integral part of your life, I'm sure it's not even worth mentioning. Is there anything else that you'd like to... Tell us anything you want to share. Um, I, I will just say that I'm kind of tuned out of it for now. I mean, moments come and go. Intensities come and go. It definitely depends on what's going on in my life. But it can be distracting. It can be good. It can be bad. It can definitely be confusing. But otherwise, I think you kind of nailed it on the head saying it's such an integral part of your life that it, it can be easy to ignore or it can be easy to discount from someone else's natural state of mind mm -hmm. because you just don't know any difference 
Well, Dayton, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I love you dearly. I'm very proud of the young man you've grown into. Thank you. And I'm proud of our time working together. I'll cherish it forever. I I do understand what you mean by when you're in the midst of that stuff, you start to pay attention a lot more closely and you can can get a feeling or a sense of something. It's just, it's just something is, you know, one side of the room feels cold <laughs> or cooler. Yeah, yeah. You know, one arm feels cooler and there's no draft. You know that something's there or something's different. The atmosphere changes. That's about the extent of it for me. Um, is that I feel like I pay attention more. Uh, I guess a more layman's way that you could put it is think of it like football, for example. A lot of people love to watch football, but if you take someone who's never watched football before, and you know you just throw it on in front of them and ask them what's going on, they don't really know what's going on. They're not going to notice these tiny little details that someone else might like oh he oh gosh this is kind of a bad example for me because I don't know a ton about football but um passing certain distances in football how much that matters or you know gripping the ball ball properly throwing it properly kicking it properly uh catching it properly all that kind of stuff you know someone who's new to football is not going to notice any of that but you give them a little bit of experience a little bit of study and make them more aware of what's going on then they're going to catch that stuff like the back of their hand. They're going to be seeing it every time. I'm sure you guys have been at a family gathering before where your uncle's screaming like, why did he do this? Oh, this idiot. <laughs> and then the the mother or the aunt over there is, just, oh, I thought he did good. <laughs> Looks like everything's fine over here. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, go Cowboys. I think it's a good uh, analogy. Very good analogy. So, well, I want to thank you listeners for joining us today. And please share the love. Make sure you uh, follow us. And if you like what we're saying, uh, give us some stars. You can comment. You can make a suggestion. You can share a story. You can ask questions on any subject you want relating to the paranormal. But if it's paranormal related, whether it's cryptozoology, ghostly, or flies in the sky, or extraterrestrial, we can help you or we can find somebody to help you and uh, we'll bring it up on the podcast to make sure your questions are answered. So just check the show notes there and you'll find it. And I'm going to sign off here and tell everybody it's always a great day to talk to the other side. We are delighted that you have joined us today. There's plenty more stories and interviews to come. Remember, it is all a good day.